is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. <laughs> I really love watching your dog snuggle right now with this Bernie Sanders toy. Yeah, <laughs> Bernie it's, bro. It's absolutely delightful. Like the, the the what I love about the toys, it's just lovingly handled. It's not torn apart. It's like clearly adored. Yeah, no, the, he's a Bernie bro. <laughs> <laughs> Two, three, four. Podcast, we're making a podcast about 30 Rock. Podcast, we're making a podcast about 30 Rock. We're calling it Talk 30 to Me. It is great. Hey, it's Kelsey. I'm Kimmy. And this is Talk 30 Rock to Me. Talk 30 Rock to Me. Our love letter to all things Tina Fey, 30 Rock comedy, and what do we say, badass woman? Yeah, we'll, let's do that. that. That covers it perfectly. I appreciate that. I like it. Before we get started today, we'd just like to remind you that if you're buying stuff on Amazon, that we would love it if you bought it through our Amazon link. Please You can do. find that at boardwalkaudio.com slash talk 30 rock to me. Click support our artist. It'll take it to Amazon and just buy stuff through that link and we'll love it. Please do it. Particularly go on BuzzFeed, look at their things people are buying on Amazon and then buy all those things with our Amazon link. It's very complicated, but it would be worth your time. They have things like crocheted mermaids blankets. I really like it. Those crochet, the mermaid blankets. Those, have you seen like people that have the mermaid blankets in the pool? Oh, so funny. not the blankets, the mermaid tails. <laughs> uh, and then also, if you like us, if you subscribe, rate, review, do that whole thing, tweet at us, all that good stuff. We appreciate we'll it. Plug that at the end. Please do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are not alone today. Hi, Scott. Oh, hi. This is the sound of my voice. <laughs> this is Scott Boxenbaum. In, in joke. Um, <laughs> he is a comedy writer. He's a podcaster. And he's is got it, some really cute animals. He's got some adorable animals. <laughs> we got a cat. We got a dog. We got another dog. Perfect. But you are also a fellow podcaster on the Boardwalk Audio Network. I am indeedy. Mm-hmm. We're so glad to share the wave. airwaves. Is that a fair way to describe this? Uh, the di- Internet yeah, like waves? The digital airwaves. Yeah. Whatever you want to like make it. And your podcast is called Write On, but W-R-I-T-E On. Write On, baby. And mm-hmm. you talk about comedy writing and you bring on fellow, feather, feather? Yeah, fellow brought, comedy writers. Yeah, I'll... I tend to lean towards TV writers, but okay. I've had film writers on there just because my network of people that I know is TV writers. Mm-hmm. How did the podcast get started? The podcast got started because I, I listen I listen to a ton of podcasts, and there are a lot of very good writing podcasts, uh, but there, there weren't that many podcasts that got deep in the weeds about the process of writing and the techniques of writing. I mean... With all due respect, I mean, John August has a really wonderful podcast about that. But I wanted to come at it from the perspective of people that work in the industry Mm -hmm. and how they handle it. Because not to be long-winded, there's uh, a ton of books on TV writing and screenwriting that give you all kinds of rules and you should do this and you should do that. And a lot of that is stuff you should follow. But then there's what you do day to day and that can often differ. And so I want to get people who are in a writer's room or have to turn in drafts of a screenplay and talk to them about how their process works because, you know, it's all different with each person. Mm -hmm. So that's the answer to the question. Do you hear the dog just whining in the background? (laughs) Just wants to be a part of the show. He just wants to talk. It's a puppy, a six-month-old puppy. Aw. Yeah. Named Licorice. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how that came around. And I I had a a wealth of people that I knew. I was fortunate enough to have contacts and... Netflix was very helpful, and so I could get some really good people That's awesome. to come on and, and mm-hmm. chat about what they do. 
that's really cool. That's yeah. really really cool. And yeah. you're right. There are some. There's. I've heard a lot of uh, different writing podcasts, but I like that you're in about getting the weeds and people's processes because I think that's what I find the most fascinating about writing is so many people approach it so differently. Yeah. And there's just something really cool about knowing how everyone approaches it. I always hated Joss Whedon because he talks about how much how happy he is when he writes, and I, every other writer I know, it's like a painful process. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'm happy once I get in it, but the first. Five hours of procrastinating <laughs> are terrible. <laughs> exactly. It's just looking at like dog food commercials. And I mean, that's the things that I'll look at. The, the, the ways that you procrastinate are just amazing. <laughs> the wormhole of YouTube videos. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No. Total wormhole of videos. Like I one day I started watching ASMR videos. Do you know what those are? No. no. What's that? I, I don't remember what they all stand for. They're basically videos for for nervous people and it's just like <laughs> somebody just whispers to you and they like brush a hair the sound of a hairbrush and they're super creepy oh my oh gosh my is gosh. it supposed to be relaxing for some people yeah they're for like super nervous people it's one of those weird side niches that the, the internet provides for oh my god interesting yeah there's somebody out there listening to this podcast that says that, that sounds amazing and I oh yeah watch. no they're they're jumping right onto youtube as we speak right <laughs> that is do you have a favorite one that they can search immediately there, there was one that was this Russian lady, and when she whispers, she sounds like a kind witch. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she took an old-timey, like, hair, like, shaving thing, like the shaving bristle oh, thing, okay, okay. and oh. scratched it against her face. And I have to tell you that, like, I was creeped out, but about a minute into it, I felt a little soothed by it. <laughs> She got me, man. Oh, my God. I don't remember the name of her, but, you know, just I type think, Russian lady ASMR. I think that'll do it. I think there can't what be that many. What does ASMR stand for? Uh, you guys got to Google it. It's okay. very long. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is fascinating. Yeah. I have a friend, she made videos like that where she brushed her hair for videos, and people loved it. It was like a really weird thing. She had amazing hair. It has right? a very calming, zen-like effect, I guess. I guess. I, I hate know. brushing my hair. That sounds awful. It's a really ridiculous Maybe thing. Maybe that's your vlog, though. <laughs> that's true. There's a new path I'm for you, Complaining Kelsey. about brushing. <laughs> I could. I don't even know where my hair brush is. Dot edu. <laughs> It is educational, you're right. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, one of the things we really love to do when we have guests on, because um, obviously we're a 30 Rock podcast, we like yes, to hear about are. people's meet cute with 30 Rock. We love to know how, what did you find, Kelsey? Autonomous sensory meridian response. That's it. Damn. ASMR. Meridian? Is this like a time zone? <laughs> Apparently. No, Boom. it's a part of your brain. <laughs> oh, really? That, like, relaxes you. Uh, Damn. Yeah. Good to know. Sorry, I interrupted you. You're fine. No, no. That, we needed to know that. No. I'm really glad you did. But but we like to know people's meet cute. Like, how did you and 30 Rock connect? You know, were you just okay. trolling the internet? You, you suddenly saw something real cute. and it You went from hairbrushes no. to <laughs> Tina Fey. No. Um, mine is a little more straight down the line. Like, so I'm a TV head like any t other TV writer. And at at the time, I guess, what, 30 Rock started, what, 06? Okay, Go so to Kelsey for all facts. <laughs> she knows them all. All right. So if you, you guys will know this, but at the time, there were two shows. There was a one hour that Aaron Sorkin Studio did. Studio 60 on Sunset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That everybody was like, yeah, this is the one. This is going to be the one. And then 30 Rock came out, and they're like, what is this? This is stupid. <laughs> it's never going to last. And then the, the, the former turned out to be just a... a train wreck mm. you know you watch that show and you're like what is this, this is about a funny show but these people are dramatic and why are they talking out of a, a gangster movie from the 40s they're like ah, da, 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 you know like okay, really, okay. real Ben Hecht style yeah mm -hmm. that 
Aaron Sorkin likes to do, and sometimes it works, but this is like, it was just, you know how some shows just, you're like, what is this? This is awful, and it's trying to be good, and it could have been, but it isn't. And I was like, ah, let's see what the losers over at NBC are doing. Or I think it was both NBC. Both of them were NBC, right? I think they were both NBC because oh. they were really ripping off SNL on both of them. Okay, that's oh. right. So I was like, let's see what this loser comedy is. And I watched and I was like, the pilot was like, eh, it was a little bit of a mess. Yeah. But there was some stuff there. And I, I kind of kept watching and I was like, uh, this is fucking funny. Because <laughs> there were enough jokes. Right. You know, uh, and then, of course, I read the pilot because I always like to read pilots, and I was like, this has the potential to be good. And as we talked about off-air, the third season is where they kind of hit it. Oh, they hit it hard. Yeah, and then I it was all uphill that. from there. <laughs> yeah. It, no, this, I was, I was, it was a late night. I was like, i got to watch my 30 Rock, and then I forgot how just absolutely joyful these episodes are and how much they have to offer. Yeah, so. yeah. and it's a very specific tone of show mm-hmm. that they had to kind of figure it out, you mm-hmm. know, because it's mm-hmm. a... The show has a lot of heart, but it's very broad. And that really tells you what happens in shows. That a lot of it's by the seat of your pants. I mean, sometimes <laughs> shit just doesn't work, and then they retool it a little bit or they adjust. This happened with Seinfeld, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. People, yeah, Seinfeld was, took a little bit to take off. We always think of it as a huge hit, but it took a couple seasons, right? Yeah, and the only reason why it stuck around was because Brandon Tartikoff, who was the head of NBC, believed in it at the time. That show would not have lasted two episodes in this environment today with all the shit we have to watch right now. Yeah. Or it would have been a basic cable show. But regardless, like, they, whoever was running NBC kept the faith with 30 Rock and they figured it out. They did so fairly quickly, I thought. Mm -hmm. You know, I think by the end of the first season, I was like, okay, this is a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something, there's potential here. Yeah, the Office had the same issue, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. The, the Office season one is hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. Well, because the guy is, uh, the boss is so obnoxious and mm-hmm. annoying, and they had to tone him down. They had to find yeah. him. Yeah. He became funny instead of just this annoying guy. Like, oh, he had heart, he had... Well, he found his own voice. He stopped trying to be David Brent, and mm-hmm. it worked yeah. really beautifully He couldn't him. be Ricky Gervais. Oh, no one can. <laughs> and that's a good thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get started with my Ricky Gervais <laughs> no. problem, but... Um, go ahead. No, you said something that made me think. So you know how like there's like this, there's been kind of this emergence of how the Amblin films of the 80s have become their own genre. You get it with a lot of J.J. Abrams. We got it with Stranger Things. Like it's this tone and this style of storytelling has almost become a genre that was just a stylistic choice of a director. I almost feel that way that had the Tina Fey, Robert Carlock type of like storytelling could have its own thing just in what I'm seeing in Kimmy Schmidt and now what I'm seeing in Great News. I'm going to talk about this for a long time. I sure. Every episode. Is Great News good? I haven't watched it. I'm loving it. It's adorable. It's maybe yeah. it, it's still in that first season thing where it's finding itself and it's, it's a yeah. kind of hit or miss. But there have been a couple episodes that I thought were just like real gold. And I'm, I'm loving it. And it is so tonally and musically and everything like 30 Rock. And I'm really, I would love to just almost see that this sort of broad comedy with heart and really, that's very musical. I would love to see it become its own genre of comedy. Well, we're in a weird, you know, kind of phase for comedy on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, because people are like, well, we're in a boom. And to some degree we are. I actually think a lot of the cable comedies are not funny. Um, they tend to be, and I don't know if this is controversial or not, <laughs> to me Say they it. tend to be quote-unquote dramedies, which to me is oh. sort of like 
okay, that's just sort of letting yourself off the hook to not be funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that about all. I mean, like Veep is phenomenal and, mm-hmm. and Silicon Valley is incredible. And it's always sunny. It's still trucking along. Yeah. Making excellent I, episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then they have a good one. Um, and Vice Principal is not quite my thing, but they're they're going at something. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I loved Eastbound and Down. But I feel like some half hours on cable are like, are you, what are you trying to be? Mm. You know, it's very confusing for the audience, I think. I totally stand by that. I the FX comedies in general, which they're brilliant, but there there's such a darkness to them. That's why I like Great News. I want uh, Great News has jokes. It's jokey. It is right. like Thirty Rock in that where there's bits going on throughout the show and jokes, and I absolutely adore that because in the end, that's a really big part of comedy for me is just writing the sole joke. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know what I think. Transparent's pretty good, but I don't think it's a comedy. Mm-mm, no. And I don't know why it got nominated. Yeah, for it's an a Emmy. drama with people that say funny things. Like occasionally, life, but, yeah. yeah, but it's not it's not a comedy. No. Uh, so I I think we're in a funny time, but like a funny time. That was not <laughs> completely unintentional. We should be in a more funny time. Um, I think that that. You know, people, uh, it should be funny. Make it funny. Don't just make it yeah. weird, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that's my thought on it anyway. Um, I would love to know, particularly, so as someone who's, we haven't gotten to have any writers on the show yet, so I was really excited to have Sweet. you with your perspective. And particularly with 30 Rock, um, as a show, from your, we talked a little bit about how it was a broad comedy to find its voice. It has a lot of heart. But what were the things as you were watching it, as you watch it now, that really make it remarkable or unique to you in the writing and in the um, in the way it's created from your perspective? So the pitfall of a lot of broad comedy is that you'll see in a lot of mediocre shows that end up on TV, they'll throw a lot of jokes on the page mm-hmm. and they're not organic to the story or the characters. If you look at 30 Rock, the stories are silly, but they come from the characters' wants and who they are they're organic to the characters, so when they do a joke, it might be silly, but the characters are silly, you know? Mm. <laughs> and then you do have kind of these extraneous jokes like, you know, uh, in the episode that you had me watch, uh, well, you had, we watched Generalissimo and we had Senor Macho. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a really funny, like, uh, storyline where Jenna is trying to be in a Janis Joplin biopic. <laughs> and then she finds out that, that Scorsese's doing one. And then there's this kind of like joke that the news person does, like, you know, uh, and here's Jenna Maroney in the wind. You know, yeah. like, like you have the room <laughs> to do those little surprise jokes. Yeah. Be- and, they, and it works because everything else is so tight. Mm-hmm. I mean, writers who want to do write, write TV comedy should watch those episodes because in terms of structure and character and the way the jokes come from characters, it's immaculate. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You can have a broad show, but the characters need to be broad. Otherwise mm-hmm. the, the jokes just come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, you're like, Oh, this is like, it, it does. It, it strikes the wrong chord with people. Mm-hmm. That's such a good example, though, of a joke. I love that one so much because that literally would just be Jenna's worst nightmare. Absolutely. Not only did they just like hurt her, then they show her right. her worst. She reacts to that the way she would. Like, mm-hmm. what would be the worst thing, you know? Um, and they're just like the whole thing where they have that runner with Tracy Jordan where 
you know, they have an intervention in the beginning. They're like, we're worried you're spending too much money. And then you just <laughs> cut to him with a money jacket on. That's what that guy would do. Like wearing heavy gold shoes and yeah. stuff like that. That's exactly what that, you know, because he's kind of an idiot, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. No, the show is really incredible with their characterization and having the, all the jokes and the humor born out of that place of character. So it's always logical, even if it's a really crazy logic. It fits in the show and it yeah. fits that world really right. well. And usually you have in a in a show like that you usually have like a straight man and or straight woman in this case um uh, and i don't mean how they identify sexually <laughs> um you have a straight you have the the straight man or straight woman and that shifts depending on the show mm-hmm. so sometimes the straight man in that show the straight man is jack donaghy mhm you know, and everybody else is the crazy person. Sometimes it's Liz Lemon and Jack mm-hmm. Donaghy's crazy. So sometimes cr- it's Jenna. Like we've seen it jump from character to character yeah. before. Pete's sometimes crazy. Pete sometimes is sometimes is the one yeah. pulling it all together. And a lot of times shows will have one straight man or straight woman and it won't change. And what's kind of brilliant about that show is it can shift, mm-hmm. you know? And I so that gives them that. like so much flexibility to do all kinds of nutty storylines. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but they totally do. And it does often waffle between Jack and Liz. Yeah. And that, hmm, I'm going to be thinking about that. And I think that's, that's actually a really, yeah, because like one of the reasons why you love Jack, like when Jack is in his like hard ass CEO mode or whatever the heck, like you don't love him in that moment, but you appreciate those moments because then you then see him in his silly modes or his, falling in love modes you see the more human side of him i guess Mm -hmm. and it makes you appreciate it and Mm -hmm. it's not you're just not seeing the one side of him it allows her depth for all of the characters because they do they are able to go back and forth Mm -hmm. right and there's a way you have a little room to get away with a, a side joke off of you know a side joke on a reaction that's a surprise, you know, mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm going to, ha- you know, where he's like, I'm going to go out with a Fox reporter. and We're going to have dinner and we're going to have sex. Not necessarily in that order. Like, <laughs> right, like, right. It's it works because it's a, it's a, it's weird, but it works because yeah. it's a surprise as all good jokes are, mm-hmm. you know. So and you just have like master joke writers on mm-hmm. that show. It absolutely is. It feels like a school of comedy. It's a master class in itself. Like Am you I don't right? have cheap. There's no cheapness on that Mm-mm. show. Mm-mm. Um. And it is a reference-heavy show, but that's fine. It it it, it works. Mm-hmm. You know, did that show have very very high ratings? I, I never. It no. got higher ratings though as it went along. I'm <laughs> sure. At the beginning, no. No, it never had great. I think in comparison to now, like I was looking this episode. Oh God, I'm so bad at the shares. It got six point four million, mm-hmm. which is a good number now. But back then was like. Right, um, a ten share was a better number back yeah, then. Yeah, because the lucky office if you was pulling like twenty million or something crazy good. At that point, because I'm pretty sure in Alec Baldwin's biography, he talks about how it was the the show stayed on the air because of other TV writers, not because of the audience of the mm-hmm. common man. It was because the executives and TV writers on other shows wanted the show on the air. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that would work now. No, you know? I don't think so. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting because a show like The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, mm-hmm. seven years ago, that would have been an NBC show. Oh, absolutely. It was developed to be one, right? I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was probably bought by a st- by a studio for NBC. You I know. think it was Universal. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was Universal, and then they ended up last minute popping it over to Netflix <laughs> because I think they were like, "This will fit better here because it's weird." Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I read the pilot to that, and it was a little bit different than what they ended up with. Yeah, the pilot, as written, which I thought was a hilarious pilot, was quite a bit darker Hmm. than the one they ended up with. Um, But I think I haven't caught up with the latest season. Are you guys fans of that show? Love it. Yeah, I'm not quite done yet with season three. I loved this. It's a pretty. That's another pretty joke heavy show. Oh, absolutely. That's broad. I mean, they kind of figured out how to have, like you said, broad shows with a heart. And it's Mm -hmm. a very, it's, those are tough shows for people to spec because they have a very specific tone to them, Mm -hmm. you know? And by the way, like spec scripts now, writing specs, really, it's only a couple contests Hmm. to write that want you to write specs. Um, Most people want you to write pilots now. Mm. You're going to get in the biz. Yeah. I think writing a spec is very, very good practice. And it's a very, very good way to educate yourself. Um, it's probably good to have when you're starting out. But I think writing pilots is now the way. Well, it worked for that kid who wrote a spec script for Seinfeld post 9-11 and got him a job on a show. He was a, yeah. And he was already kind of an established writer. Was he? See, I'd, I'd seen him. He'd been doing some st- uh, some little things online, but I hadn't seen if he was a, I didn't know he was a staff he writer. Was, I don't know if he was a staff writer, but I, I think he was a, an established comedy writer. Um but yeah, that's a really interesting example of a way to get attention for yourself by doing something kind of extreme. And it's funny because that about 10 years ago or 12 years ago was really in vogue. And I don't know if he brought that back, but it was it was kind of a brilliant script. I read that. Did you see it, Kelsey? Mm-mm. This kid wrote a spec of, uh, I shouldn't say kid, I think he's like my age, but Seinfeld script. That's, I've, I've heard of uh, it. Seinfeld 9-11 Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's got this great storyline where Elaine is like secretly really happy because one of the guys she was dating and trying to break up with dies in one of the towers. Yeah. And it turns out he's a hero. It's so funny. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant, but... No, I'm so excited to have you for these episodes, Scott. Um, I feel like you have a lot of insight that we could really use when we're talking about these episodes. So sure. I think we're going to do a 30-30 real quick, and then we're yep. going to get into the nitty-gritty of the episode. Cool Ready? 30-30. All right. Do you want to go around me? Um, I'll do this one. My 30-30 is super lame, but I'm going to do it. I was at a Rick and Morty party last night. We sat outside. Of course you were. We drank beer. We watched Rick and Morty, another great sitcom that we have. Not sitcom. Well, kind of sitcom um, that we haven't discussed yet, but has Chris Parnell, and I'm just always overwhelmed with how good he is as Jerry, (laughs) that terrible, terrible character. And that show is perfect, and it's funny. And I I drank beer, and I watched it um, sitting on the grass with a projector, and it was a perfect evening. Rick and Morty's my favorite. <laughs> That's not really a 30-30, but I wanted everyone to know I go to cool parties like that. You mentioned Chris Parnell. It counts as a 30-30. You're fine. It does. He's so good, and I think I've used Rick and Morty like 80 times, but he's so good on that show. We watched the episode where they drop off Jerry at a daycare so they can go on their adventures, and there's literally a scene where they have his wife. It looks like a Disneyland character of his wife, and she comes, hey, Jerry, want to come fix the settings on the TV? And all the Jerrys get so excited, and it's just perfect <laughs> is he snoring <laughs> did he snore did you hear him snore? i heard a sniff it was really cute <laughs> he looked surprised he was like what is this fluffy thing on my face he's gonna eat it it's like a ball i know the microphone exactly it'd be very confusing and now he's out again but that's my 30 30 cool well, i go to cool parties we watch rick and morty outside well that works that's all <laughs> you live in la those are the things you no know. that wasn't whittier man that was far away whittier's so far from yeah everything. it was really far away but oh, man that's my 30 30 all right all 
right, Kelsey, can you lead us into this episode? We can discuss Senior Macho, Macho Solo. <laughs> yep. I'm so season three, episode seven, Senior Senior Senior. You can tell I'm senior. a white girl here. Mm-hmm. Senior Macho Solo. Senior Macho Solo. Air date was January eighth, two thousand nine. Director was Beth McCarthy Miller, and writer was Ron Weiner. And he previously directed Secrets and Lies in yes. season one or two. I can't remember yes, which yes, one. Yes. Um, my recap for the episode is that Jenna has found the rule that she's been waiting for all her life as Janet Joplin. <laughs> Jack's <laughs> mother's nurse captures Jack's attention while he mo- he's momentarily faced with death in the face and Liz's baby craziness reaches new heights or not when she ends up on a date with Peter Dinklage after mistaking him for a child. Also, Tracy and Angie's love for each other deepens. Mm. <laughs> deepens. Good word. Like that. Uh-huh. That was me. I wrote in here like we can start with that storyline that. <laughs> Tracy and Ashley just have sex everywhere. Their sex life is a hashtag goals for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I know it's right. a little ridiculous, but I'm very impressed with it. I mean, uh-huh. that marriage is bumping. I love it. So, like, it's, <laughs> it starts with Tracy and. I'm going to watch you die, Tracy. <laughs> She's done it before, Jack. The way she says it, too, with that smile on her face, like, it's so good. Oh, they're so fantastic. So, for, Tracy is talking to Jack, and he's. Oh, it'll be, oh, because they're having the intervention, right? That Tracy, you're just spending too much money. And then it cuts to Tracy and he's wearing the jacket of made of money, twenty hundred dollar bills, whatever <laughs> it ends up being. Um, and it's just so sing and funny. And then you learn, you come to learn that the reason why he's spending all of his money is because if he has too much money, then Angie will leave and take half of all, all that he's worth. And Jack's like, why don't you have a prenup or a postnup? But you find that they don't have a prenup because when they got married, Tracy had two tickets to an MC concert and a toaster oven. <laughs> Because he has come a long way. She's been with him since the beginning. Very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then later on, the scene where they're having the discussion about the post up, they're showing up again. And Tracy's no longer wearing the jacket, but now he's got a money fedora on his head. Oh, I missed the money fedora. Yeah, How he's, did I miss it's got that? 20 or $100 bills as a hat instead. Um, and then Angie says, I'm not going to leave you anyways. But I love in that story, that part of it, there's a line where um, Jack is explaining what the post nup is saying. And it's if Tracy leaves you for the chunky chick from Hairspray. That Nikki Blonsky <laughs> joke yes. is so good and so of the time. Or any actress or any woman of equivalent equivalent. What did she say? Girth weight? I, I can't remember what gir- it was. I feel like it was girth Girth or sounds like the like word that. it probably was. It's a funnier way to say weight. <laughs> right. It was just so... It was pretty entertaining. No, that Nikki Blonsky joke, I laughed for 10 minutes. I just rewatched Hairspray. And it's just so of that time. The movie had just come out. Equivalent and he thickness. would be really into her. Equivalent thickness. thickness. He would be really into like that that character in Hairspray. Are yes. you guys doing continue with the recap or can I comment? Oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry going, going. Comment at any point on this. Yeah. So here's, I thought it was almost pretty much an immaculate episode in every way possible. Here's what I bumped on though, was the, the main story was when... She was, she got kid crazy, right? And mm-hmm. then she pats um, Peter Dinklage on the head. Stuart. Then I got a little confused because then it became about, well, am I going to screw this one up? Mm-hmm. And it became about like whether she was going to be successful dating Peter Dinklage or not, I think. But then it was also she was kid crazy. I got a little misdirected because I thought it, that sh- a little should have been a little clearer that how am I going to 
not let him know that I just patted him on the head because I thought he was a little kid right. rather than being interested in Peter Dinklage. So that's, I, th- I felt like what happened is initially she patted him on the head because she thought it was, you know, a seven year old boy or whatever, which also very creepy. It's one thing to be like to a baby, but to like a, an adult, like not an adult, an child, adult to a grown child. child. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally creepy. It's yeah. super inappropriate. Like unless you know the person, but which uh, yeah. is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Only brilliant. Less. Like the whole thing, like, you know, I didn't take the shoe. It just dropped here or whatever. <laughs> yeah. the joke She's was. got the bag of shoes. I think she just got into the like, I think she actually ended up liking him. Like when they went out for a little bit and like she learned that he was funny, but yeah. she couldn't get past the pa- past the fact that he was shorter. And like, it was just like a habit. She saw someone short and she kept thinking it was a kid. It like reminded, like I'm really protective of people calling me Kels or Kel. I'm like, you don't know me. You don't get to call me a nickname. But my mom has, and I had the same problem with uh, my roommate that my mom as a teacher has students in her class that are Kelsey. And she out of habit calls them Kel or Kels just because the other Kelsey in her life, that's what she always calls them. And that's just kind of what it reminds me of, that she's just used to someone that tall as a kid, so you should be protecting them. And she didn't have enough time spent with him to associate with him as a grown man <laughs> instead of like she probably would have been great sitting across the table from him but she did that we just don't <laughs> see it but she did that see I'm actually I'm with you on this Scott where I felt like I was a little it would they were juggling two things her inability to, yeah. to handle a relationship and her baby fever and it just never made sense to me well, why she was never able to get it under wraps or like figure well, it out what I was expecting so the pivotal scene where that confusion could have been clarified is when Jenna runs up with the book, the Janis Joplin book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she sees, you know, Liz with Peter Dinklage. And so I was waiting for her to comment on him, on her dating, on Liz dating a little person. Mm-hmm. That, that, that she, seems like a Jenna thing to do. Yeah. You know, and she, and then Liz logically would say, well, I, I, you know, I thought he was a little kid and now I have a date with him. I don't know what to do, but I kind of like him. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I would now, if that was just piped a little bit for a little more, then I would get what her confusion is. Yeah. But it kind of like they sort of jumped over that pothole a little too quickly. So I that was the only the qualm I had about it. I think hmm. that's really fair. I almost wonder if there's a deleted scene where it was a little more specific because they often will cut like one. Yeah, I didn't scene. watch this one on DVD. I watched it on mm-hmm. Netflix. I normally look for that. It, the jokes were good enough that I kind of got over it, but it was I was still bumping on it throughout the episode a little bit, which is too bad because all the other storylines were just brilliantly handled. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I want to talk about Peter Dinklage. First of all, apparently he's in a movie where everyone loves called The Station Agent. I love that. I've never seen it. He, uh, he's in it with uh, this, uh, this guy who is in the fourth season of uh boardwalk empire Mm -hmm. uh this italian american actor which is like the one that married ashley simpson i bet it is i'm kidding kidding. uh i was like this italian american i sound like my grandpa my racist (laughs) grandpa uh this black american actor who's very talented by the way like that's what my grandfather would say (laughs) he's very talented by the way that's such a grandpa move go home don't no you're not invited to any Hanukkah parties ever again (laughs) so like yeah no uh, boy I'm trying to I'm bumping on his name and then uh, Bobby Cannavale 
Oh, he's a like, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. So, oh, so like this Rose friend- Burns boo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like this Bobby friendship Burns. between the two guys. And it's Bobby Cannavale was like 29, 30 at the time. So he was a little more broier and goofier than he is now. <laughs> is he broy? <laughs> he could be broier than he is now? Anyway. Um, All right. Well, he was young broy as opposed to older broy. Sorry, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, so he's, it, it's this friendship between these two guys in a, in a little town in New Jersey. I think mm-hmm. it's a very 90s indie movie, but it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to watch it. Well, it was just so funny to be reading these old articles and they're talking about him and it's like uh, Peter Dinklage from The Station Agent and uh, Station Agent and Elf. And I'm Weird credit. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird credit, particularly now that he's so known for um, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones and for me, The Chronicles of Narnia too, Prince Caspian. No one knows him from <laughs> Elf. They all know him from Game of Thrones. They yeah. all know him from Game of Thrones and he's so great on it. But it's, so, it's really funny to hear the way they're talking about him because he's a little more unknown at this point. Now he's like a... Mega, he's like a megastar, but I also get it's really funny. The AV Club, did you read the inter- the article they wrote about him? I'm looking at it right now. It's too. really funny. They talk about the writer says my friend went to college with him and said he got all the girls, mm-hmm. which I get. He is the most handsome, charming man in everything he's in. He's extremely confident too. You know, he's very unflappable guy. He's so <laughs> handsome. <laughs> Dinglage's yeah. deadpan, prickly sexuality was front and center in tonight's episode. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they say that about me one day. Um. Like, is, is his, is his uh, wife or girlfriend a little person or is she a uh, just a small, nor- small, regular person. I just about to say normal. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm gonna get blogged on. <laughs> no, I believe she is of average size. Average size. Um, I saw, I've means. seen, I've seen them at award shows. Um, I think they actually just had a couple babies, so that's really exciting. He, I had the smallest of exchanges with him. Really? And so, yeah, at an Emmy party years ago. That's cool. And I was wearing a bow tie, a striped bow tie. And he goes, that's a very jaunty bow tie. And I said, thank you. And he Damn goes, have it. a good evening and turned around and went away. That is oh the my best gosh. interaction so could have. I want <laughs> jaunty. I said it was a jaunty bow tie. Hot damn. Did you feel great about that bow tie forever? Did you put the bow tie in a box? Yeah, <laughs> you never no, man. That again. thing's still in my closet. I don't think I've ever worn it a second time. Why would you? It's, it's served its purpose. It's not even just because of him. It's just like, I want to be called jaunty all the time. That's such right? a great word. That's like something Paul F. Tompkins would say to you. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. It is something Paul F. Tompkins would say. You know, I loved in the whole Peter Dinklage, because at the end of it, when <laughs> shut it down, shut it down, and his like one of his parting lines to Liz is, "Oh, and I lied. I have seen your show." Oh, it hurts. It hurts. Like, oh my gosh. No, like, this whole plot line of her approaching him and then going on a date, and he. I love that he works for the UN. You like get a sense for his like world and his mm-hmm. friendships. There's really, you get a real sense of this character very quickly, and part of that is all their backstories are really dumb too. It's great. <laughs> what is the guy? I am this vice chairman of clean water maintenance or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. His title was. I wrote it down yeah clean water was part of it oh crap it's here somewhere but isn't it perfect that he had the un that- high commission on water temperature and food taint that's mm. even better Ugh, the word taint is <laughs> way better than the one i came up with man i butchered that crap so i could have his name was Stuart lagrange and i couldn't God, decide if that was a play on Stuart, Stuart lagrange it sounds like a character from a Hitchcock movie. Mm-hmm. Stuart LaGrange. That's a cowboy right there. But yeah. I think what's such a sign of how good this show is, is they not only, because I mean, Liz has a billion boyfriends throughout the show and that often they don't always have an interaction with Jack, but they, um, he gets one episode and the show is smart where they look, you know, it's going to be amazing putting a guy who works in the UN with our capitalist CEO mm-hmm. uh, and seeing how these two interact. There's just such understanding of their characters and what they've already established that they just stick them in a room and there's already an immediate, like interesting foil really relationship between the two yeah that i found delightful that might lead us into the next episode i had to watch general Mm. had to watch 
was given to watch as a <laughs> gift, Generalissimo. Oh, That's it's going to be fun. We'll we'll get to that. We're going right. to get to we'll that. Get there. Okay. But don't um, unwrap the present yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> the present, the present. We're excited to get to it. But I just, I love this Peter Dinklage character, and I just think he's absolutely delightful. Also, this AV Club. Are, uh, I don't read all the AV Club ones, but the way they describe this whole show, a lot of physical descriptions of people, mm-hmm. and yeah. I did not like it. I thought they were being a little mean spirited about um, Alec Baldwin's weight gain. So was it the normal? Ooh. You know what? The guy likes food. Too bad it'll happen to you, millennials. You'll get <laughs> fat too. <laughs> Thank you. And you're gonna be like, we're the better generation that got fat. We're not fat. We're big bound, just like fucking the guy from South Park. You know, <laughs> I'm not fat, not big bound. Uh, um, I do at the beginning of the whole Liz baby story though that like the the other coworker is like walking from the hallway and she's having this weird baby talk conversation with the baby, but with Jenna. And then when the baby walks away and she has the shoe and Jenna's like, did you see the baby shoe? And she's like, it's not stealing what's on the floor. And she goes to put it in her purse. And there are like four other baby shoes in the purse it's already. It's so terrifying. It's not the first time she's stolen someone's shoe. I love that. It's absolutely poor. And that's it's a kind so, of note so that like a crappy screenwriting teacher, they would tell you to take it out. And I've <laughs> oh. had those notes before, like we're a shitty executive. And, you know, there's a lot of look, we need notes. Most yeah. notes are good, but I've had notes like that where like, she, the character is too creepy. It'll make her dislikable. They'll never like it. And it's like, it's one of these things, and maybe I'm going to go on a, a rant now. Take us there, man. Take us. So when you when you start out, you're trying to get through the gatekeepers. You got to live by the rules a little bit, and you got to take the notes. But sometimes those notes are things you, you, you have to swallow them when you take the note. Mm-hmm. And... Then when you see what the real world is like and what they're what they can put on the TV, you're like, why? You just get mad because you're like, I had that in my thing, and and because not that particular thing, but like that maybe that dark touch for the character, and it's that kind of lack of respect for the audience. Mm. Sometimes executives just interesting. Yeah, it it it's just one of those things that gets me. And it's a pet peeve, guys. It's It's fair. All writers have that pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Bring, uh, this is bring it to the table. Let us all understand it. I'm going to name names, you guys. <laughs> I don't remember anybody I've ever taken a meeting with, frankly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Jenna. I found so I was going through some trivia stuff. I didn't realize that this Jenna Joplin, this Janis Joplin biopic storyline was based on a very I, I mean I knew this is something that happens we see it with movies where mm-hmm. like the, the same idea of a movie comes out the huntsman and mirror mirror or whatever like was the that two based different. on a thing that happened yeah apparently there was two Janis Joplin biopics that were uh, greenlit and one was supposed to have Julia Roberts and one was supposed to have Zoe Deschanel and it oh, was a thing that happened interesting I was I wish the jo- Zoe Deschanel wanted to come out <laughs> it would have been great neither of them came out right no the best part so. is the way that tri- the way the trivia wrote it they're like and these these things have been uh, have been uh, these are not these are gonna not like, happen forever the word he used was forever and it was the most geez. ridiculous description i've heard forever but no it looks like both of them got back burned was I mean, martin scorsese the actual uh, two people that by the way like are the most difficult people to work with apparently oh really, really? yeah yeah two for different reasons just to have the per- have apparently are and and i don't know for fact i only know by people who've worked yeah. with them that not easy people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's only fitting. It sounds like Janis Joplin wasn't an easy person to work with. Yeah, so either. like kind of a difficult actor is playing a difficult 
character. It's a natural mm-hmm. choice. It's a natural choice. Exactly. But I <laughs> take a lesson from Janice and have some self-control. Yeah. <laughs> How far are you in that? <laughs> I really, really enjoyed all the, <laughs> that, that thing too. We're at the very end of it. You've got Janice Jop. Uh, we've got Jenna on stage singing as Janice. I think doing a pretty solid impression, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. She is quite talented. But then you get the, like all the word changes and then Jack being like, I changed these five minutes ago. Yeah. Take another chunk of my lung now, mister. You know you <laughs> bought it. If like makes you sweet food, chunk of my lung, chunk of my lung and take it. Take a big old chunk of my lung now. Take it. You know you bought it if you buy it with things. <laughs> Man, I should have put the subtitles on. Oh, that's um, Kelseyism. Can I tell you that's an old man thing I do? Oh, that's I one hundred percent. The first seventy five percent episode. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. I, I I hate watching shows up, but this episode, the first seventy five percent, I was watching at my friend's John house, and he was playing video games, and I was watching this without the sound and just the closed captions. I would. Whoa. <laughs> I, I yeah, I had a friend of mine, Lisa Curry, comedian, uh, was dog sitting and. She's like, can you? She just texted me while I was on vacation. She's like, how do you turn the subtitles oh, down, old man? Like, <laughs> it's, oh, you, you catch got me. So much more with the closed captions on. It's all it's, TV I shows are mixed it. badly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that they're muddy sounding, particularly on Netflix. Netflix always has their music up way too high. Yeah, I mean, they do. Too, they, the music's always way overpowering the dialogue. They do. They're and a lot of times the the foley is too loud mm-hmm. on shows, and I'm like, I, I can't hear my stories. I need my subtitles. But so when I watch Doctor Who. Um, when I was watching Third Doctor Who, I can't hear who, well, I get who's distracted talking. By, <laughs> I get what? distracted by accents, but seasons one and two, Netflix hadn't started putting captions on. It wasn't until season three that they started putting captions really? on. So three through the... They, like, when Netflix first started, they didn't have it. And so then, we have no idea what happened in those first... Oh, I, I watch Sherlock with all the captions on. Because well, they're so British. Uh, it's just yeah. like, what are they saying? We love when I, I lived in England when I was a teenager and... We got a TV, my roommates and I, and I couldn't freaking understand a thing for like three months. <laughs> and that was a long time ago, so we didn't have subtitles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had to walk six miles to our TV mm-hmm. um, okay. in the snow. Uphill both ways. Mm-hmm. Uphill both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Wait, I want to come back to something with the Peter Dinklage storyline. At that last bit, he'll shut it down. Has Liz already you shut it down before? Yeah. All right. I li- it's that weird language thing um, that Aaron Sorkin does where he gives everyone the same sort of verbal tics mm-hmm. in a show. Yeah. Um, I was really intrigued that they gave that to him. Just more proof that Stuart and Herb would have actually been super great together. Mm-hmm. I found that moment weirdly tragic where she does that to the child. She thinks she does the opposite. thinks the child is her boyfriend. Yeah. And then she sees or her potential love interest. And she sees him and he has roses. Which, because it's it's from Sex in the City. I know. Oh, was it a Sex in the City? Thing? I well, just was like, oh, he actually likes really? her. Oh yeah, and they reference it like because I've it's in. God it, damn it, Miranda actually does it with Steve or whatever. But then they say because I went because she said well, I'm going to do the Sex in the City thing, and then at the end she says it's from season it's from the first movie because then Tracy says, oh yeah, that's actually happens a lot. And was if I remember. Big? Was that a big moment? No, no, it was with Miranda and I only Steve. Know that there's a Steve Mr. Big cheated on Miranda, and then that was her Steve, Sorry. Steve was a Steve. The guy that sounded like Steve. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn, I need to watch. With the guy that uh, wait, Miranda was. Miranda has a kid. Is was married and had a kid, and then Steve cheated on her, and then that was her months later finally forgiving him. Was we're gonna meet on I'm the bridge Steve. at this date and time. Yeah, I remember Steve. He kind of talked like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to beat glasses, the, beat the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, Steve was a dork. Okay, but that was, they had the funny joke where he was, where Tracy was like, "That actually happens in a lot of movies." Are fair to remember a Sleepless in Seattle and the remake of a, a Blair to remember Black. <laughs> and they have that weird Lord. reversal. 
Castle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. When he's standing there in complete Lord of the Rings garb. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't figure out what that. Oh, was. that was for sure because he had the ears. He had the. I noticed the hair. The like hair that. in the front of the oh, ears man, is a clear sign. Like. <laughs> it's a clear sign of Lord of the Rings elf. He's a good elf. I was actually pretty impressed. That was pretty good. Um. um all right. Yeah, we talk about Dinklage is a good elf. <laughs> Boo. No, Tracy. Tracy. Oh, bad joke. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, I almost made a reference to the I fact also that was like, a is that genuine a question. All right. <laughs> it turned into a bad joke. It's good. Moving on. So Jack's story. Shut it down. Shut Moving it down. on. Shut it down. Shut it down. So Colleen, her <laughs> hips are broken, so now she has a nurse, and this nurse is this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful God. Elisa. Oh, dear Lord. Puerto Rican. What can I call you? Puerto Rican. Mm, that doesn't sound right. So, okay. So let me give you, this is the Salma Hayek yes. story. Yes. So uh, big time name drop. So when I was in my early 20s, I very briefly took acting classes at Stella Adler. Ooh. Very briefly because I was, I have had lifelong stage fright and I had a, a yelly acting teacher who scared me out of there. Ooh. But I took acting classes with a young Salma Hayek. Shut up. Who had just come from from Mexico, and she was like a huge soap opera star, and she acted like a soap opera star. Really? She was like, ay, caramba, you know, like falling. Yeah, She's that, what, big? Yeah, super big and indicating everything, as they say, in acting, like just not good. I mean, she's become a pretty good actress. Yeah, well, she's yeah, a great yeah. actress. Everyone's yeah. talking about Beatrice at dinner right now. Mm. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, so going on after my name drop. I uh, know that, that was, was a that good was a one. perfect name drop. If you're gonna drop a name, you do it on a podcast. It's a place. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Great person too. Wonderful human being, really funny person. Oh, she's I like hearing so that. <laughs> funny on this yeah, show. Mm-hmm. Like she is just really natural and she I don't know, she just has like how do I say it? she just really leans in I don't know what I'm saying. I just really love Wish how she, she would have leaned into me. In <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dress she wears at the park Dear in the Lord, end. Lord, you can't look her yeah, There's one point where he doesn't even look at her in the eye. Like you see Alec Baldwin is struggling to look her in the eye. She gets it. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so funny too, because they start her off That's in the episode. That's not good to say. That's not good to enable men to, to do that kind of thing. No, but she really, she really, yeah, she just no, engages a, with it. That's, is it some in? My, uh, that's some my eyes are up there kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that this episode? I think it's the next episode though, where, oh, where Liz meets her and she walks and she's like, whoa, you're a nurse? nurse? Yeah, some of us are hot. Like, Lord. <laughs> she knows what's up. Well, it's funny because they start her, she's in her scrubs. She's got the very nurse claw hair, like mm-hmm. hair, like kind of fluffy. They like crimped it yeah. just to try to make her as little hot as possible even though she's still like obscenely gorgeous right for that later reveal of her at the party with her flowing hair and her boobs which are just crazy (laughs) yep ah I, they're, I, they're still hanging in there. But I'm also really Very glad they so. used boobs Another for bad comedy. pun. <laughs> God damn, what am I... I'm going to the Hall of Fame with this garbage. Oh, All right. But at the same time, I love that her boobs are used for comedy. Like, I'm glad that they're like, well, she's got them. Let's make it funny. She right? She's... She's not scared of anything. No. She's, doesn't, she's not ashamed of anything. No, she owns it. So yeah. this whole storyline is great. Did they, did they actually have Elaine Stritch in the background shouting? It sounded like her. I don't think it's, I'm sure it It mustn't have been, yeah. but it was so great. I was kind of bummed we didn't see more of Colleen. All right, so we, I interrupted your recap. Oh, no, it's all right. So then, so just, he meets Elisa's like, holy crap. He goes out to dinner with a Fox News correspondent, because of course he does. And in the bathroom, he discovers a lump. Oh, God. And I, the, then there's the scene where Elisa 
can tell something's wrong with him and all of a sudden her hands are down his pants she's very confident <laughs> very confident she's a very that. confident woman um so then jack goes to the doctor and then he ends up at the park for the quinceanera which he didn't know what a quinceanera was which was kind of weird because she made a comment like oh it's for my goddaughter's quinceanera and he has a confused face and she says oh it's like a debutante ball like she had to explain we're raised in california though kelsey like i, I does not everyone know what a quinceanera I, is my dad didn't know what a taco was until he was 23 wait i'm confused you were we're raised in california why wouldn't we know what a quinceanera is no well, we, we would know but other people saying that didn't. oh yeah yeah so that's what i'm saying I, like i wonder if we're just so what happens when you don't listen to the last 30 seconds of why and i just woke up again <laughs> okay no but all i say is like i think you and i we live in a coastal bubble where it's really normal to deal with like other terms I guess from that's culture true. i think there is a chance that jack being from boston just wouldn't know what a quinceanera is Got it um but maybe i'm wrong i don't know I and maybe they were maybe they got a note from the network they're like be clear on what a quinceanera is <laughs> not That's everyone's gonna know notes baby yep um there is a line that um liz or was it jack says something where he's talking with elisa and he and then elisa responds saying is that more embarrassing than your cd collection i didn't know michael buble had so many albums it's like the third it's like the first of like many michael buble jokes they make on the show you know how many michael buble albums do you think he had at that point i mean there was three at that point maybe two you guys know how many michael buble albums are? i love michael i looked buble. this up I you are wrong though wait okay. how many are there There's there were five, five? A six one came Christmas out. The, one? A six one came out the end of two thousand eight. Shut up! You're no what? Mm-hmm. I must have just only come in during his like or his like big days. I was real into Michael Bublé then. I still am. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. He sounds like happiness. But yeah, then Michael mm-hmm. Bublé writes a song for Thirty Rock. Right. I know he it, yeah. sings a song for he Thirty sings Rock, it, yeah. clearly written by Jeff Richmond. Yes, but no, I think it's some Michael Bublé later. We will touch on that in the future. But I love this running joke because I think there's another one where they ask him Phil Collins. They make a Phil mm-hmm. Collins joke where I've they got say, two years and a heart. Don't yeah, I? do you, are those your Phil Collins albums? Well, I got two years and a heart, don't I? Mm-hmm. oh god jack listens to the whitest music possible <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but yes, i really like that joke yes yeah. it's fair um and then that storyline so then jack goes to the quinceanera he shows up at the park in a suit elisa walks out in this hot red dress and orange. hands him a baby which oh, is I totally unmotivated by the way like everybody else is like wearing cargo shorts you know <laughs> she's in a cocktail dress with her boobs <laughs> hanging out in central park like what <laughs> but i don't know that little baby's all dressed up doing the macarena like. that baby was too warm did you see how red the baby's cheeks it like genuinely caused me anxiety that baby was overheating and her cheeks were so red it's never too late it's never too late for to now. tweet about it <laughs> calling you out 30 rock abuse of babies on set it's that baby too was late. too warm all right that this is me calling them out right now you're not naming names i am 30 rock i'm looking at you not cool take better babies. care of your babies take better care of set babies uh but then i love when later on when jack is talking with liz and he's he's just trying to figure things out and he, you just surround yourself with love and babies with pierced ears um because that's just such a thing <laughs> mexican babies <laughs> they do that baby had pierced ears it is mm-hmm. a thing i right. love it um and then jack's phone rings and tracy answers it for him 
and then he's saying the test was positive no no i mean positive like it's good the test results were negative <laughs> oh i see your confusion and the whole thing he's just sort of like ah, you yeah. thought it was that positive. is funny it was such a weird like cliched joke yeah. that still works because of who tracy is because that is what tracy would have done mm-hmm. but doing the confusing negative and positive thing is so cliche yet i really like it because we get to see jack have that broken moment yeah we see jack being weak and liz comforting him mm-hmm. so it's really strange i don't like that joke but i like what it brought about in that moment you know what does that make sense yep Yep. i I found it really really interesting um okay um that mostly does it anyone have any other oh we didn't talk about the senior macho solo and the uh Oh, she says one other. What she gives another explanation for something, but I don't remember. Uh, what it was. A senior floor. What's the? There's the senior macho solo is a McRib, and no, then no, it's a senior macho solo is the McFlurry, isn't it? No, don't try and be a senior macho solo, which is what we call a McRib, <laughs> and then the the McFlurry is something. Oh, uh, except in Puerto Rico, a McFlurry it's called a senior flurry. <laughs> i want that to be my nickname they're so fancy with their mcdonald's food places things my only other thing i want to talk about is so i found this new part on imdb where they talk about different references they make in the episode mm-hmm. they track them oh like in God. a gilmore girl style and the thing i found very interesting was they said that joke that they make with jenna and liz where they're talking she's like look at us at our age you're getting uh mm-hmm. you know you're about babies and i'm getting turned down uh, turned on by car crashes i see mm-hmm. and they say that was a reference to the movie crash oh from 2006 so i've watched crash i wrote papers about it in college i'm one of the few oh, defenders yeah. of that movie no one likes that movie that i like Jennifer that movie. L- no it's well um, Halle, it's, Halle Berry, right it's not about the the Candy movie Doom. crash which it's about a david cronenberg movie where people get turned on by car crash i thought it was the wrong crash <laughs> was that movie uh, also called crash i think i don't know No, that movie was the early 2000s and thank you i'm so glad you're here scott i would yeah, have just no no that about wasn't crash. about the terrible movie where people i will are like, still defend it all right <laughs> i'm not getting into it so i have a friend who thinks that's like it's a it's an important movie and i'm like i'm gonna now i'm walking away so uh no that's about a movie with i believe jennifer jason lee where people get sexually aroused by crashing into each other and Dear i you have Lord. to look up the name yeah it's a pretty hard movie to watch so that's the reference. Though I also also really intrigued because uh, she gets referred to as looking like Jennifer Jason Lee. So mm-hmm. it all comes together on the show. A lot of in jokes. A lot of in jokes. But okay, thank you for filling that in for me because I was like, this is nothing like the movie Crash. No, no, no. Starring Terrence same. Howard and Tandy Newton, who's who, who you were thinking of. Oh no. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Tandy yeah. Newton and Sandra Bullock was and Sandra Bullock. Exactly. Tandy Newton's job is to cry during the whole movie. Yeah. She does a great job of it, though. Yeah. She's... I really believe every moment. Yeah, I really. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's not rote. <laughs> What's wrong with that one? All right. Thank you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This is the hill I'm gonna die on. Is this movie? Fair enough. That's um, a real small hill, but <laughs> I'm the only one on this hill. Live your I'm life however you feel like it. Just <laughs> uh, go forward with thank that. Thank you, Scott. Two cool. fashion things. What? All right. Um, Liz's scarf in the beginning looks like the Wicked Witch of the West. She has a green and black striped scarf on in the first scene or two, and it made me think of the Wicked Witch of the West. West. Wicked fan alert. Wicked right. fan and, alert. No. Hello. That is just Wizard of Oz. Okay, whatever. And then there's a Frank cat. We get night chicks. Night chicks. No idea what that means. See, night chicks, that's when he's creepy. He's watching Angie and Tracy, like, <laughs> start to, like, make out on Kenneth's desk. And Pen- Kenneth is just there. And Frank, like, creeps back and he's watching. <laughs> um, Poor Kenneth. He's always that. Any that. favorite lines from this? Do you have a favorite line from this one, Scott? Fli- a favorite line from it? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had just little lines I love, like, you know, we're going to go out for eh, dinner, movie, a little sex, not necessarily in that order, <laughs> <laughs> which was great. The, 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 uh, I'm going to watch you die, Tracy Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened before. Like, that's a pretty great line. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that may be my favorite line of the whole thing. I think that's the best one. I uh, I really love the bit where he's like, really, Lemon? And she's like, mm, cat sound. Oh, right. <laughs> I see that yeah. gif a lot online. Oh, God. She's so bad at being sexy, but she's so good at it all at the same time. Uh, my th- I had three favorite lines. And one was when Jack when Liz walks up in her dress and Jack says, nice dress. Going to dinner. Don't forget your book, which I just related to a lot because mm. I always have a book with me when I'm reading eating restaurants. Um, and then when Elisa says, I found that authoritative rapid Spanish subdues white people, which is how she gets into his pants later on. Um, and then at the end, Jack saying, can two people really fall in love over a benign gonad cyst? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing Tracy said, it doesn't matter where it starts. It just matters where it ends. Right. Mm-hmm. wraps up this episode i think that wraps up this episode so scott thank you so much we're gonna obviously keep you here we're gonna talk about the second one in a minute all right but um real quick do you have any plugs or where can people find your podcast where can they find your um your, your social media series, social media uh, do you, you could, have anything you want to plug all right sure um i think my you, you just google right on podcast i think it's called right on pod.com mm-hmm. and it's w-r-i-t-e yeah mm-hmm. and then i have a digital series called fully formed adults mm-hmm. uh the series website is fully formed series.com and then you can find the series on vimeo okay. and on youtube vimeo looks a little better i also have a facebook page for fully formed adults mm-hmm. and that's the one weirdly interestingly that's been getting the most views oh interesting so, yeah facebook videos become kind of a force uh, so that that's all the info you, I think you need. Okay. Cool. Do you have any social media for you personally or anything? Yeah, my Twitter is at Scott Box. I oscillate between 2,000 and 2,003 followers, <laughs> depending on how much I offend a, uh, an alt-right person. Uh, <laughs> just generally, I haven't gotten any big fights, which is weird. Good that's for good. you. Now's your opportunity, you guys. <laughs> He's and, asking for it. And I have uh, my... Instagram's kind of fun. It's at Scott Box. Is there a lot of these little pups? Yeah, tons of dog pictures. Yes, I'm a follow. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good time, and Mm -hmm. I put. uh, I'll put a lot of my previews for the fully formed series and fully formed adults. The next episode shooting at the end of June, and it is um, the whole thing is it's kind of a cringe humor type of thing. It's it's awkward situations between millennials and Gen X people. Ooh, and the next episode is um it's gonna be a a bad woody allen date Uh, that's about as much detail as i'm gonna go to oh interesting all right we'll look forward to that we'll we'll definitely make sure we plug all that in the episode people find absolutely Mm -hmm. perfect um you can find me at at kimchi lucas everywhere um radio picture show second wednesday of the month at the virgil it's a great show starts at 8 30 what is that it is a storytelling show with lauren cook and sean mcgarry oh nice i love the Virgil. The Virgil's great. It's a it's a really great storytelling show. It's um, we'll it's go. it's happening before this comes out. But if you want to go, let me know. I'll put you on the list. And we uh, it is on this Wednesday actually. So I've got to prep for that. But um, it's a second. By the time this comes out, second Wednesday of every month. It's a great show. Yeah, it's and a good stage. 
that's all I've got. Cool. You can find me places at Redheaded Blonde on Instagram and Twitter. You can, I have nothing to plug. Um, and you can find our podcast places at Talk 30 Rock to Me. You can email us at Talk 30 Rock to Me. Please do. Reach at out. At gmail.com. Reach out. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Once again, Scott, thank you so much for being here. You'll be, you'll be back in a couple of weeks, but. Uh, oh, with the second, the, mm-hmm. the other one. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah cool. So we, they'll be hearing you in a couple of weeks. We get to talk to you in about two more minutes. <laughs> okay. So get into it. Thanks for listening. Cool. All right. Thanks guys. guys kimmy here just want to let you know after this episode we're taking a three week break uh, from posting new episodes it breaks us our hearts to do it but kelsey and i just need to take a beat we're both moving this month and it's all craziness and we just wanted to make sure we can make the show that we're proud of and so we're just taking a minute to be humans and just figure some stuff out and then we're going to be back with talk 30 rock to me so we will see you in three weeks watch the you know watch this space watch, uh stay on tune with our social media we'll still keep being weird and posting stuff but um we will be back new episodes of talk 30 rock to me in three weeks thank you so much podcast for more information and shows visit boardwalkaudio.com don't forget to rate and subscribe now